comes ahead on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Uh, hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and with me, not as always, after last week, is Logan. Yeah, Jordan finally let me look back on the podcast, so that's pretty nice of him. Um, I, I look forward to being this here. This again, that. too, because uh, we had started talking and we weren't recording and then as i press as soon as i press record my chrome just like said oh snap and he had to reload and i was like i just gotta get in there before the theme song's done oh uh, man so it's been eventful but how, how are you doing at home i uh, got a new house unpacking how's that going yeah pretty close to getting stuff done uh the office is a bit of work in progress because we'll put it'll be mostly disney stuff in here and then the the guest bedroom will be a work in progress just because we don't have a, an actual bed for the guest. So uh, nobody oh. come visit us. Yeah, I'll bring a sleeping bag. That sounds good. We have air mattresses. We have two air oh, mattresses okay. uh, and yeah. a sleeper couch. So we got plenty of places for you to lay, just not comfortable. Right, right. Uh, well, we have a bed here in my spare bedroom. But it's like uh, I can come visit you uh, next. Right, summer. you can do that, no problem. Yeah. Uh, but I can't visit you. I see how it is. <laughs> you can sleep on the floor. It's fine. <laughs> Oh, we got a big show today, actually. Uh, Logan almost didn't make it today. Um, and he was like, I was like, I'm not doing this one by myself. This is a lot of stuff. Uh, so I was like, thankfully, I was doing something. I was a little indisposed as well. So I uh, just pushed it back a bit. And we got some quick hits here. Just some things that broke, like, some of these things broke right before we recorded. Mm-hmm. Okay, So some people may not have seen these. Uh, Ethan Horvath is going to Nottingham Forest in the championship. Uh, they finished seventh place last year. Apparently, and all the comments I see when they were like teasing, they were making a signing. They were fans were saying like, we need goalkeepers. We need goalkeepers. And they're like, hopefully this is a goalkeeper. And it is. <laughs> so uh, I guess that means he's going to have a good shot here to, to get some minutes. Um, and the club, you know, for people that don't know, if you have some background of Nottingham Forest, are a two-time Champions League winner. Back in, like, the 80s, though, before it was the actual Champions League. <laughs> uh, so, just a little background on them. We have Conrad De La Fuente, known as just Conrad. He's going to Marseille in uh, the French League. So, that should be uh, some fun there. Uh, so those those are two big ones that are official, okay? We're going to start getting into some rumors here, uh, and this one goes right to Logan's, uh, right to Logan's heart here. Chris yeah. Miller, Orlando City winger. Uh, this was reported on by the Athletic, Jeff Reuter, Stam, uh, Sam Stayskull, and Paul Tenorio reporting today that Chris Mueller is attracting interest from Belgian clubs. Um, now. Chris Mueller's contract is up at the end of the season. Uh, so he can leave for free, but he would actually rather leave in the summer. They said, according to their reporting. So that way he can try to make the team before the season starts. How uh, that means that then there would have to be a fee, uh, which Orlando is not so keen on right now because they actually want to try to hold on to Mueller 
for this run to get a first trophy. And, you know, I mean, if they're not going to sell DK right now, I doubt they sell Mueller. Uh, and he's starting to come back in the form a bit. But it looks like Anderlecht is looking for him. Uh, Ustende and Leuven are the three clubs uh, interested. And Leuven actually made a formal offer to Orlando. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, he, he scored in the goal that I was uh, at the match uh, when they played Red Bull. And he actually started to play a little bit better. They have been using him sparingly, too. I mean, the good thing is, and I think that they saw this coming, like the writing on the wall, because they went out, and, and Nani especially, too, um, with his contract coming with into Vander it. Vander Yeah, with Vander Rotter coming in. Um, and I think that they've got some really good, interesting uh, pieces that they can put in on the wings. I know um, that they've even flirted with putting – like a Benji Michelle in a two striker spot um, with DK. I know that, you know, Pereira uh, can play on the sides. So I think that there's a lot of options that Orlando have. So um, I think if Chris Mueller, uh, if you're Chris Mueller, you're 25 years old and you're looking to get out and play some European soccer, this might be the last chance you get. Yeah. We saw how long, uh, it took for Morris to get a mm -hmm. shot and then he got injured, unfortunately. And with his contract winding down, it's just best for him probably to go in the in in the uh, in the spring mm -hmm. or you know winter. Though of course, if you're Orlando fan, if you're like, oh, we're gonna lose them, why not get some money for them? Uh, again, same way that I've been advocating to hold on to some of these players is to make that run to try to get that MLS Cup or Supporter Shield, and then you can start kind of selling some of these players or. Mm -hmm. You know, whichever. It does suck that they'll lose him to nothing because I, I do think he'll be gone either way at the end of the season. Yeah, you can tell his his eyes are on Europe and, and be, to be able to walk over there and play um, in a league that I think is pretty decent. Um, it's got to be enticing just to walk. Yeah, uh, Louisville City Defender. This was part of the same reporting from uh, Reuters, Day School, and Tenorio. Uh, Jonathan Gomez is nearing a move to Real Sociedad. Uh, he's 17 years old. He was named into the preliminary uh, roster for the Gold Cup, didn't make the cut, and he's represented the U.S. and Mexico at both levels. So uh, interesting to see him get that move, and it sounds like it's going to be for 100000 going to Louisville City. So pretty good uh, for you know a USL team to get that kind of cash for a young player. Uh, and that's what we need more of too, right? Like we need um, – these these players moving from either USL to overseas or USL to MLS, we need these USL teams to start getting uh, transfer fees as well, mm -hmm. you know, to help grow them, or else you know they'll be constantly uh, behind. Especially with some of the COVID issues, I, yeah. I know a lot of them lost money. I know a lot of the minor league baseball teams here. Um, I can't imagine what soccer looks like uh, in the minor leagues, just because I, I think that you would have a lot of people just losing money because they just don't fill stadiums at some point. I know the battery had to move into the, uh, the College of Charleston soccer stadium because they just, they're in between stadiums and couldn't afford to rent out anybody else's, so they had to go. Uh, and, and, you know, they're losing money quickly. So, Oops, pressed the wrong button. All right, uh, just ignore that. MLS <laughs> and Liga Mekis announced that uh, Allegiant, is that how you say it? Stadium in Las Vegas is going to be hosting the League's Cup Final in 2021 and 2022. So this year's final is in, I think, September 22nd on ESPN. And uh, remember, the League's Cup, for people that don't remember, is like the second-tier competition to the Champions League in the sense of if you don't qualify for the Champions League, you're probably qualifying for the League's Cup. And... Uh, but it's only MLS and Liga Mekis teams. No other, you know, no other uh, federations are taking part in that. But uh, just interesting. You think this is? Uh, I've seen some people commenting. But do you think this is some way of testing Las Vegas for a potential franchise? Yeah, it seems like that's where everybody's going, right? I think. Yeah, unfortunately. NFL, yeah, NFL is looking uh, to really do some damage there. I know the Super Bowl. Um, it was rumored to be there, and, and I think it is going to end up being there this coming year, maybe. I think it is, because uh, I think they moved it around last year because it was supposed to be this year. Um, I know baseball, MLB, had looked at moving Oakland to Vegas 
Um, and I think that, you know, soccer, I do think soccer would do well there though. I think, you know, it's a Western city that in, in Western cities tend to do a lot better. Uh, I know it's close to some of the California cities that would be a big draw to Vegas to pull people over. Um, but yeah, I think this is big time. This has got to be, uh, some kind of deal with the Vegas, uh, with the Raiders because they're there now. Um, then maybe some of their ownership is looking at bringing in a soccer club too. So, yeah, I, you know, I think that looking at different cities, uh, I know Vegas is an interesting one. I, I think that there's a couple cities in Texas that uh, would be interesting. I, I think, you know, that there's different talks of other California cities getting, because uh, I know San Antonio, Texas could get one. I know in California, there's some cities um, that would be a big interest. I think San Francisco, I think that, that you know, the open area that's, uh, Southern California area. Um, but any in the West, I think that, you know, the West just keeps adding cities to the, to the conference that they're in. Um, and it really helps them just because I think that it, it grows the game. Um, and then, you know, there's a lot of international travel into Vegas because of the gambling and, and the different casinos and resorts that are there. So um, just looking at the, the team and looking at this competition coming in, I think that bringing, some of these MLS uh, competitions and some of maybe these international competitions into Vegas will make it one of the hot spots um, for MLS, for Liga, uh, Liga Max, and you know some of these other soccer clubs and, and soccer leagues in and around the world. So let's move on to the league itself because we got to talk some Gold Cup as well. So let's move on to the league. We had some games this week. Uh, Wednesday, July 7th, we had the New England Revolution going up against Toronto FC, which was Toronto's first match after Chris Armas was fired and after the 7-1 loss to DC United. And guess what? TFC had a three-goal lead 25 minutes in, and this snapped the Revolution's five-game perfect home stretch to start the season with five wins. And uh, the goal scorers were Soteldo, nine minutes in, uh, Lawrence, 15 minutes in, uh, Endo, 24 minutes in, and then we had uh, Carlos uh, Heal uh, scoring in the 56th minute and Buxa scoring in the 78th minute. So Revs almost made the comeback here, but uh, I do want to say, I just point out, point out I, I pretty much called this in our... I don't know if I say call it. I, I in the episode you weren't here. Uh, I <laughs> said that it. I alluded to it by saying that uh, you know maybe the you know the revs are playing him at the worst time because of the managerial switch. And uh, never did I foresee three nil twenty five minutes in. And uh, you know what though, TFC is lucky to get out of there with all three points after the comeback that. Uh, that they were having. And when we look at the stats themselves, like it's, it's like 21 shots for the revs compared mm -hmm. to 11 shots for TFC. So, uh, was pretty unbalanced at that point. Um, looking at, uh, possession is like 60 to the revs 30, uh, 39 to TFC 21 shots. Like I said, to 11, those six shots on goal for the Revs and seven shots on goal for TFC. So TFC actually had the better chances uh, at that point. But uh, the Revs, probably not much to worry about, right? Just maybe a one-off fluke there? Yeah, I don't think there's anything to be concerned of. They, they'd been playing the best soccer, I think, in the whole league. So I think that yeah. you know this is just kind of one of those things, like you said. Um, and I heard the last, you know, I listened to last week's show and you were just talking about the, the bump that they get with, with the coach being fired. So this has got to be something with that. Yeah. Uh, Montreal beat NYCFC 2-1. Uh, Keaton Park scores in the 29th minute. Mason Toy gets a penalty uh, converted in the 43rd minute uh, for Montreal. Should not have been a penalty. Mahalovic kind of kicks the ground and the defender's foot. Uh, and it's called a penalty. I don't know how VAR doesn't overturn this, honestly, but it is what it is. And then Kyoto scores in the 73rd minute after he thought he had scored very early in the match, but it was called offside, so he gets his goal back. And Montreal, shock NYCFC. 
2-1. I was going to say Montreal's, uh, they haven't lost in five matches. Their, their last loss came against Cincinnati. So uh, when the, or they're, they're lossless in their last five, which is, I mean, we thought they were easily wooden spoon or at least close yeah. to it. They'd be yeah. battling with, I think you thought Chicago more so than I did, but um, yeah, it's amazing what they're doing so far. Yeah, we had them. Uh, we both had them last. I had Chicago thirteenth. <laughs> you had DC United thirteenth. Uh, so there you go. But hey, it's all fun. I can't wait till we do our EPL predictions for stoppage time because right. we were way off. Uh, yeah. we had the right top four, but everything else, manager of the year, all that stuff was was wrong, pretty much. Uh, we had Chicago Fire beat Orlando City three one at Soldier Field. Perea scoring in the 34th minute, and then Sukalic in the 45th plus one, Barrich in the 72nd, and then 04 scoring in 90 plus six to put it away. And I received numerous texts from you saying that you hate sports, Orlando sucks, uh, going through all the emotions there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they were playing with kind of like those mid squeak or um, mid squeak, mid, I don't even know what that word is, um, <laughs> mid- midweek squads. Um, you know they didn't have the the regular lineup in that that you know Galese still right yeah. yeah it's it's really tough to watch uh, Austin try to play between the post um, mm-hmm. it just doesn't, it doesn't feel like he is confident um, I, I think being a backup and then loaned out from Tottenham I think it's just gotten to him a little bit um, but no DK Nani came on late um, you know just not the not the club that they would normally put out there. Um, they do keep losing defenders. Um, I know that uh, Carlos Antonio was, uh, or Antonio Carlos was just, I think he's out for quite some time just because of, of an injury that he had when I was at the Red Bulls game. Um, but again, it, it, they're, they're kind of playing with this makeshift back for the, and then adding in that keeper that doesn't usually play. Um, that's kind of tough. Yeah. I mean, Galice had bailed out Orlando a lot at the beginning of the season, the NYCFC mm-hmm. game, stuff like that. So to not have him has been a pretty brutal stretch. Now they don't have DK either, who's back at the Gold Cup with the right. USA. So, uh, you know, the, the one year that you really have DK, you don't have him in front of fans for most of the year, mm-hmm. right, last year. And then this year you have him in that same year span pretty much where he's at Barnsley, he misses time, and then he misses time due to the Gold Cup. And, you know, that's kind of the unfortunate timing of, of everything, or else maybe it'd work out better for you, mm-hmm. trophy-wise, in the coming weeks and months. Uh, Austin, two uh, – oh, sorry, no, Austin did not score two. Austin, Austin zero, <laughs> LAFC two, Sefuente scoring in the 39th minute for LAFC, and then Diego Rossi adding another one. Carlos Vela had a goal as well that was ruled out due to a tackle in the buildup. But uh, not much really going on there for Austin right now. So we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to the standings. Rapids to Minnesota United nil. We had Galvin score 45 minutes in and Shinishiki scoring in the 81st minute in the 86th minute red card for Abila on Minnesota as he does a kidney punch to one of the Colorado players. What are you doing? There's cameras everywhere. There's VAR. Like, what do you, this isn't like a league that doesn't have a million cameras. So I'm not really sure if he thought he'd get away with it. But you get a red card. You were already down two nil. It's just, what are you doing? And he just hasn't been. No, like I remember when they brought him in in that first match. Like we we talked about this a couple weeks ago. That first match, he looked like he would be goal threatening. Um, but now he had, he had a few chances against yeah. Seattle early, and then yeah. yeah, he's got two goals in ten matches, which isn't like absolutely abomination but it, it it's not what they thought he was going to be and especially with the chances that he's had i think that he he should be providing more than what he's actually provided for a team that is still kind of in this weird place when and i don't know if adrian heath gets them out of it seattle two houston dynamo nil uh kellen Rowe scoring in this 62nd minute Rui diaz scoring in the 90 plus four and seattle break the mls record for like I think it was 14 games now 
without a loss, which is the best start to a season. And Smetzer and Seattle are doing this with an injury list that is like a mile long. It's as long as a CVS receipt. <laughs> and it is, uh, it is, you know, Morris, it's uh, Ladero, it's Rodon uh, was injured, I think. Then you have uh, uh, the players that are gone on Gold Cup. It's it is what it is. But to, to be able to break the MLS record for most like longest streak without a loss to start the season, and you're that thin on the squad, it's just really a testament to the you know general manager of Seattle and how he's been able to build this team. Uh, that is clearly the model of MLS, I think, at this point. I, I know I saw Sebastian Salazar uh, post his uh, take from his uh, show with um, Hercule Gomez where he was trying to say that Seattle is not even the best-run team in the Pacific Northwest, and I don't know what he's talking about there. His main argument was that Portland plays in a soccer-specific stadium and – uh, one MLS cup first. Uh, it doesn't matter who wins it first. <laughs> it, it matters how many you win. And the fact that they've been in that many finals, they've won two, they've had, you know, all those open cups four open cup wins. I mean, if I was a fan looking for a team and I didn't live near any MLS team, it might be like, Oh, Seattle looks pretty fun to follow. Yeah, they, they're like the ideal club. Whenever you heard of MLS, uh, that was the club that you always kind of gravitated towards uh, them in the Galaxy because the Galaxy had success or success um, back in the day. But, yeah, you're right. I, I think it's to say that Portland's a well-run club, better run than Seattle, it, it's kind of confusing and head-scratching too because now they're, you know, they didn't start the season like Portland did with that really long injury list, but now they just continue to win with that same kind of depleted roster. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to Vancouver 0, RSL 4. Krylock scores in the first and 57th minute. Rusnak scores in the 74th. Julio scores in 90 plus 4. Not much to say about that, right? Vancouver, really not, bad. Not so hot. <laughs> really, uh, really bad. Not doing so great. Uh, it's really bad when you lose RSL 4 0, I think. Uh, LA Galaxy 3. And the team that you're wearing the shirt of today, FC Dallas. Uh, one uh, goal scores. Revel Olsen scores 72. If I said that right, uh, 17 minutes in for the LA Galaxy. Cabral scores 27 minutes in for the Galaxy. Zubak scores in the 52nd for the Galaxy. And then Jara scoring in the 71st for Dallas. So LA Galaxy get it done without even any of their big guns scoring goals to continue their winning ways. But let's be serious. Dallas. Vancouver, these are not the best teams in the West that we just talked about losing uh, by pretty big scorelines. Then we had games on Thursday. Tell me if this sounds like a repeat, Logan, when it comes to Atlanta and when it comes to Nashville, Atlanta. Okay, 2-2. Yeah, that sounds right. 2-2. It was Nashville (laughs) 2, Atlanta 2, and then uh, I went down to Florida, right? Mm-hmm. Then the Union played Atlanta. It was 2-2. Yep. And then uh, I think there was probably a few games in between that. And now you have this one, 2-2. Mm-hmm. Second straight 2-2 draw in this matchup. The goal scorers walks in the fifth minute for Atlanta. Anibaba uh, in the 14th for Nashville. Mukhtar in the 49th for Nashville. And then Conway in the 59th for Atlanta. Now there was a red card 74 minutes in for Mulraney. You check this out. I don't think it's a red. And guess what? The appeals committee uh, is siding with me in Atlanta on this one, and they've won their appeal. I just can't believe it. Like, the, it seems like Nashville has been behind in every single match that they've ever played. And if they win, it's a come from behind win. I'd love to see some Yeah, this season it's been like that. <laughs> it's been insane. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to – my team. Uh, the Red Bulls won versus the Union. One. Red cards. Uh, Matt Freese scores, uh, not scores, uh, gets scores a red card. Uh, gets a red card in the 57th minute for the Union. Uh, this was uh, 
an odd red card. You know, you think a goalkeeper getting a red card, they come out, they make a tackle, they're diving, uh, they're sliding all over the place. No, this one is like he comes out for it. They both kind of overrun the ball, and he just kind of hugs him, spins him, and then goes and gets the ball, obviously interfering with uh, the player's right to go towards the ball. Gets a red card. No argument there. Former Orlando goalkeeper Joe Bendick comes in, and then we have a, a penalty that was called a penalty. So three minutes later is when they finally take the penalty, and Klamala, who's been really good for the Red Bulls, really dangerous up front in the games I've seen him in, scores for the Red Bulls. And then Sergio Santos comes in, uh, plays a little bit, and then scores the equalizer in the 85th minute. And the Union are getting really good at scoring lately equalizer, it feels like right now. And being down a man, this feels like a win for the Philadelphia Union. Don't you agree? Yeah, I think if you're taking away uh, points and stuff like that, and I think a Red Bull team that had been playing pretty well like they've got good games and they've got bad games but to be able to pull a car or to pull a point out of this um especially with the with the red card i think it's something that philly can hang their hat on and, and to kind of stay towards the top of the table that's all you're looking for in this mess of a of a month july and august will be and then we had the hell is real derby uh cincinnati two, columbus two. uh goal scorers castillo one minute in for cincinnati uh, I know Columbus was looking for a foul there. I didn't really see anything that would constitute. I thought they got it right there. Uh, Acosta scoring in the 24th minute. Then there's a red card for Harrison Awful as he gets his second yellow. Uh, he's gone. Uh, they're lucky Mensa wasn't sent off mm-hmm. as well for his tackles. Uh, Zella Ryan pulls one back. And you're thinking maybe this is like the NYCFC game, right? Where they're down. And then I think they even had a red card then. And mm-hmm. then Zella Ryan pulls them back and then actually wins the game yeah. for them or whatever. No, uh, they, they do equalize though. Barry does equalize it in the 77th minute, but uh, pretty good result for them as well. Got to feel like a win, especially it's a Derby match. It's a local rivalry in Ohio. It's got to feel good to get one over on Cincinnati. But if you're Columbus, you're thinking well, maybe we should have beaten Cincinnati. Got to get back in the playoff push. They're in eighth right now. Uh, they got to push their yeah. way back into those top seven. Uh, but again, they just keep getting. They're just not. They're they're very underwhelming for a team that we thought, you know, especially even with their depth, uh, even mm-hmm. during Gold Cup and stuff, that they'd be fine. And Ozard is gone. Um, but you still thought they were going to be fine. Um, but it it does seem like that their depth is lacking in play or being fit. Um, and they're just not having the season that everybody expected them to have and to open that new stadium. I think it's kind of a bummer for them. So hard to repeat as a title winner. So maybe that's kind of the issue. Welcome to MLS, right? Uh, We just (laughs) had Montreal beat NYCFC, right? Right. (laughs) But let's talk about that because let's look at the standings real quick. We got uh, Revs still in first after that loss, their first loss at home. So that puts them at 24 points out of 13 games and they're averaging 1.85 points per game, which is the best in the East. Okay. Orlando in second with 21 points, uh, 1.75 points per game, 12 games played. Philly in third, 20 points, uh, 13 games played 1.54 points per game. And guess what? Those pretty much been the top three all season long. Well, since the union started climbing up into that top three, this has been the top three, right? This is like, we've barely been able to talk about any sort of change mm-hmm. in the top three, but where it gets below that is very interesting. Cause now only one point behind Philly and a team that most people would probably be surprised about is Montreal in fourth with 19 points, 12 games played. And they're actually having a 1.58 points per game. Uh, which is better than the Union right now. Same thing with Nashville, who's tied in fifth uh, with the same amount of points, same amount of points per game, and the same amount of games played, 12. So the Union and New England both have the most games played at 13. And then you have Orlando, Montreal, Nashville with 12. And it's looking likely we're actually going to have a pretty – tight battle up here maybe the first two will make a run away from it but even then montreal is only two points back of orlando and i feel sorry for when we 
previewed Montreal because I feel like we did not do them a justice. But who would have thought, like, I really feel like losing Terry Henry is actually an upgrade at this point. Yeah, it seems like that. It's <laughs> like, it's like, okay, well, we lost a manager that we didn't really care about. So let's just play really. And I think Will Fernandez done a really nice job. So again, it's a team and they're defending really well, which was something that they were even more concerned about because they said that, you know, going back into their defense and that midfield was just kind of in shambles after, um, you know, Henri had left. But now it seems like they're going to be able to compete for the rest of the season and even make a playoff spot. But again, I say that it's so tight in the East mm-hmm. compared to the West. Nashville in fifth, like I said, NYCFC down to six now. Remember at one point they were in the top three yeah. or four of the season looking back at it. They have 17 points, 11 games played though. They got two games in hand of the Union and the Revs, one game in hand to the other teams in the top. Uh, they have 1.55 points per game, which is still a better points per game than the union so pretty crazy stuff there red bulls in seventh with 17 points 12 games 1.45 uh 1.42 points per game you just alluded to columbus they're in eighth with 17 points as well so they're kind of even with the red bulls same amount of games played they just really got to start making that leap dc united down to ninth but they haven't uh, like because they were in the top six at some point, but again, these these things are just so close. They're only three points back of fifth, and they're only one point back of six. Now, again, I think I'm going to say that cutoff line might be ninth place because tenth mm-hmm. place is Atlanta, and they're at thirteen points. So, while eighth, no, sorry, while ninth to uh, third is a four point gap. There's already a three-point gap from ninth to tenth, so that's why I'm starting to draw that line. And Atlanta's losing a lot of players to Gold Cup and to injuries as well, so I just don't know if they have enough to get it. And when you look at the points per game differences, DC United has a 1.33, while Atlanta has a 1.08, and you're starting to see that fall off to kind of like a mid one point something like DC has to a 1.08 to Cincinnati having a 1.09. And then to the bottom three teams having a point percentage. So Atlanta in 10th with 13 points, Cincinnati in 11th with 12 points, Chicago in 12th with 11 points, Miami in 13th with eight, and Toronto in 14th with eight. They went from five points to eight points in very quick when they beat the Revs, <laughs> or else they would really have been lonely at the bottom. But now they can kind of get out of this with Miami. Um, in range and Chicago only three points ahead. Yeah. And Cincinnati fans are probably listening and going, well, we only have 11 games and, but I just a concern of, they just leak goals and they continue to leak goals. I don't think that they're a serious threat. Um, having that negative eight goal difference is just not keen. Um, so, you know, I think that you're right. I think at that 10 Atlanta, very worrisome because Joseph isn't playing to his abilities. And I do think the closer it gets to them not being competitive, the more likely you're going to see like a George Bello, um, even like a Santiago Sosa later on, uh, maybe in the winter or next summer, start to move on. Um, I, I know a lot of those players, Atlanta's kind of in a weird spot. They're in a really kind of dangerous spot for that franchise where you, if you hold on to some of these really good pieces, you might miss out on another couple of years being competitive because you just hold on to these pieces that are just kind of decaying and and falling apart at your feet. Really makes you wonder now. I don't want to say like Heinz should be fired or anything. You got to give them next year. I think just because of these tournaments where they lost all these players and stuff. But if things don't improve next season by Mm -hmm. mid season, I could seriously see a seat getting pretty hot. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Even though Frank DeBoer was not great for, Atlanta. He did win them a U.S. Open Cup, and he won the uh, the game against the um, Liga Mekis mm-hmm. winner as well. So, not like uh, not like the best trophies to win, obviously, but he, he won something. And now you're like, oh, we really got it. Like we don't even look that great right now. So. If you're an Atlanta fan, it's got to be a little worrying how that's going on. Uh, let us know. But you know what? It's it's really good that they won a trophy before falling off, like an MLS Cup. 
because the fans now have that memory and they're probably going to stick with the team longer, right? Like Orlando's problem was they came in and they were all right their first year and then just fell apart and were mediocre to bad until Oscar Preya came in. And at that point, we we're already like seven years in, right? <laughs> so yeah. like uh, that lost a lot of fans, you know, uh, but at least with Atlanta, they've won those trophies where, where they're, their uh, fans kind of know like there's a history of winning and they, they might put more pressure on the team and they might have to make those choices earlier. Like I was saying, Heinze's uh, job might get like his seat might get hot middle of next year mm-hmm. instead of like waiting for the end of the year or something. Yeah, no, I agree. I totally agree. All right, let's move over to the West best team in MLS right now is the Seattle Sounders. I know SKC took that spot in the West for a few days, but now that Seattle played that game in hand, they won it. They're three points up on SKC, and they have not lost this season at all. Eight wins, five draws. You can't stop them. We already talked about their injury list, so I don't think we have to spend too much time on Seattle today. Uh, SKC's in second. They're, you know... What when we talked about teams that are good in the West before the season started, and we and we did our little like get to know MLS type of thing, and I was going over this, I pretty much named Seattle, SKC, right? You can't leave out SKC. They they've mm-hmm. been so good uh, in their history under Peter Ramis, and you know they have three losses, but they have two draws and eight wins. Uh, they're only three points back of Seattle. And right below them, two points below them with 24 points is LA Galaxy. And what's funny is these West, the West teams, the top three teams have the same or more points than the top team in the East. Mm-hmm. So the Revs have 24 points, Galaxy has 24, and then SKC and Seattle have more than that. So pretty interesting there. SKC and LA Galaxy are both at a dead straight two points per game and those clubs have started rising to that i think at one point seattle was the only one that had over two point uh points per game in yeah, the west are. and yeah. now we have like three teams at two in the west and only one team of that over in the east mm-hmm. that being the revs colorado rapids in fourth with uh 20 points so now already the gap between first and fourth is nine points and then you have LAFC in fifth, so they've made their ascension. RSL in sixth, Minnesota in seventh, and then you have the rest. Houston in eighth, Portland in ninth, Austin in tenth, San Jose in eleventh, Dallas in twelfth, and Vancouver with thirteen uh, in thirteenth place with nine points. So if I'm drawing a line here. I really think you almost draw it at Houston. I don't know if Portland's going to be able to turn it around right now. I mean, they're only two points back of Houston. But you have then Portland, Austin, San Jose, Dallas. If anything, maybe you put it at Portland. But I can't see Austin, San Jose, Dallas, or Vancouver turning this around. And we're hearing from people that uh, Dallas – getting ready to sell Tanner Tessman to mm-hmm. a Serie A team this week yeah. uh, is the rumors. So do they want to win? Or are they just going to no. keep churning out that factory of players? Yeah, I was going to say, and, and he hadn't been starting for a while. I, I'm not even sure he is in the starting 11 still. But uh, again, like you said, it's just talent. It's just they, they're, they're willing to burn it and go through it, and they're willing to stay at that, you know, that bottom of that West division. Um, and I guess just collect money. And I don't know where that money's going because they don't, it's not like they go out and overspend for a lot of people. So yeah, it's, it's, if I was a Dallas fan, I'd just be really upset at the way and the direction that we're going because standard testament is going to be really good. I think. Yeah. What's the selling point for Dallas? Come watch, uh, yeah, you know, come watch the uh, future European players, for, for, <laughs> but for like two months before mm-hmm. we sell them. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, you, you got like two months to watch these guys before we pull the trigger. Like Correct. Brian Reynolds took over for Reggie Cannon, and like three weeks later, he's gone. Right. <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, I think that uh, the gap between the top of the West and the bottom of the West is yeah. greater. But some of this middle stuff is is pretty close as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm starting to think LAFC at, with 18 points and RSL with 16. I'm starting to think maybe those teams might start being safe soon. I don't know. And then it might be a battle for 6th or 7th of the West. It could be – look, it's MLS. It's going to be a long season. So yeah. Pardon what I'm saying, I guess. But, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a while. Uh, let's talk some Gold Cup before we get out of here. I'm going to tell you something here. This is a pretty good number on FS1, by the way. Mm-hmm. 719,000 watching this match on FS1, which primarily our B squad or C squad, however you want to see it, going up against Haiti in the first Gold Cup match. That's a pretty good number. It was a Sunday night. Uh, maybe that has something to do with it, but that's up a hundred and some K more than the group stages of the 2019 Gold Cup. Mm-hmm. So looking pretty good there. Uh, the goal scorer in this one was Sam Vines. One uh, as the USA win one nil over Haiti, Sam Vine scores uh, a, a nice header. Actually, he had a really good header. Um, but yeah, any thoughts here on uh, just generally? I mean, it was three points, which is what they needed. Yeah. Haiti, I think, is a little undervalued. They got third place in 2019. But any thoughts on that? Uh, I think you got some performances, I think, and, and some players that, I, that I'm that i interested in. I think Sam Vines has a really good shot at competing, if not for next World Cup, obviously for the following, for that left-back position. Because, you know, the United States has been talking about who do we have at left-back if, if Des is going to play right-back. Um, and I think that, you know, the United States is finding out that I think Sam Vines. And it'll be, a, it'll be interesting to see how long Vines lasts. Um, with Colorado, because I do think that his name is up next on one of those lists that people are going to be interested in. Because um, you do, you have a whole list of guys that I think uh, garners some interest from from some of the European clubs. Uh, I know that Sam Vines is one. Um, they've talked about Miles Robinson and Shaq Moore possibly being of interest. Um, DK, Busio, uh, Eric Williamson eventually. Um, I think James Sands eventually does too. Um, so you got a lot of good players that uh, a lot of good young players that we were interested in. We're, we're interested in looking at Matt Turner um, as a goalkeeping option. If Stefan has to miss, you know, a ton of time uh, with Horvat being probably the number one, if, if Stefan's out for a, for a while, um, Sam Vines, uh, Walker Zimmerman was Jordan. I know you and I were looking at Walker Zimmerman because we need a, a center back pairing with Brooks um, because I do think that, he gets overlooked so much, and I'm glad that Greg's finally getting to see what Walker is all about because I do think he's just so – he's mean. Like, he, he's very mean. It doesn't seem like the stage will ever get to him, and I think that's what John Anthony Brooks has as well. I think it's just that powerful duo, and, and I think if you find two players that play well off of each other, they don't have to be at the best of talent, but if they play well together, they can stop a lot of people. Um, and then Sebastian Lechette, like always. I mean, this guy, <laughs> I feel like he's going to be constantly a name that we talk about because the U.S. I mean, he, it feels like he's destined for a goal in the World Cup uh, with the U.S. just because of how well he's played. Like one of those uh, Dempsey-Donovan-type tournaments where he just goes off and, and tears up the, the World Cup. So I think that you know it, it's somebody that people always want to bash on because he's MLS. But I, I think Sebastian might actually be our, our anchor. So. Yeah, I think Legette like didn't miss a, a pass for a while or yeah. something. Like he he had had uh, yeah. like attacking passes or something. Mm-hmm. It was really good. Uh, Walker Zimmerman, like you said, I think he's better than Aaron Long. I would yes. take Zimmerman all day. Um, I thought Miles Robinson played well. Sam Vines did well on the attack. I think mm-hmm. he still needs to work on actually defending. At this rate, it's almost like I don't know. Shaq Moore played really well on the right. He did. So if you want to put Dest on the left and you have Shaq Moore or Reggie Cannon on the right, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, look, it was only Haiti, right? So, like, we got to see how Shaq Moore plays yep. the rest of the time. But he was only filling in because Reggie Cannon, like, got injured in training, real like, right before the mm-hmm. match, or else he doesn't play, and he played really well. Matt Turner, he didn't have to do a whole lot, but I thought he was fine. I thought he was great. Yeah. I thought he was fine. 
Um, I thought Kellen Acosta as much crap as he gets. He actually played decent uh, as well. Um, Jackson Yule, that's the one where mm-hmm. it's, it's almost time to pull the plug on calling him up. Yes. Right? Um, especially when you had uh, Buzio come in and mm-hmm. he played better than Jackson Yule and he's younger. He's going to be making a move as well, it looks like, to Siri Al or so. So that would be a, you know, if you're down Tyler Adams, maybe it's Buzio. Right. Yeah. Uh, again, it's one game. You don't want to make too many assumptions there. Legit, like you said, was great. Paul Ariola, I felt so bad for. He got injured mm. very early on. Before that, he kind of looked dangerous going forward. But uh, he left the match, and in came uh, Joe Cheney. And I'd say yeah. I was actually impressed by Joe Cheney, too. Cool. I thought he played really well. Uh, Zardes was Zardes. He had a really nice assist to Vines. Jonathan Lewis uh not good enough to cut it i don't think i'm not gonna harp on the kid um but uh then you had dk enter the match he didn't get a whole lot to do uh buzio entered like i said joe chini came in eric williamson came in 76 minute they didn't have a lot of time Mm -hmm. and james sanson have a whole bunch of time either he came in as well but overall, I, I like it. I you know I know people are going to probably have a hard time with Rodon being on the roster, and I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. You know, we play Martinique next on Thursday. I think I he would, plays. I think he does too. I think mm-hmm. he will. Um, I think what I would like to see is Buzio start with, um, Jochini starting. I'd like I to see like Hoppy too. Maybe a, like a hoppy on a yeah, wing yeah, or something yeah. like that. Like I, I, Matthew Hoppy is interesting because I think a lot of people just didn't watch him at Schalke, and I think that he's trying to make a move play, too. Yeah, uh, apparently he's trying to leave Schalke. So yeah. they we'll got really good too. So I think yeah. just you know trying to see who can play on the wings. I don't like you said. I don't think Jonathan Lewis is going to be it. Paul Ariel probably won't play the rest of the tournament. If I had to guess. Um, so yeah, I think that like again, but it's the same names though. I mean, we've got great depth. I mean. You're looking at players that are going to be providing depth for the most part. Uh, the Tyler Adams thing, we're going to have to figure out because I think that if he misses time, like you said, Jordan, the Jackson Yule experiment, and we talked to Jamin, and Jamin said that he's not even close to being one of the best American center mids. So, it's you know, I, I think that when you're looking at Eric Williamson, I think that's the more ideal candidate. And I do think hopefully he gets more time to prove that he's kind of that person that can step into that role. Even James Sands. Sands can play kind of like this – defensive mid center back kind of position that you really wanted to play because he plays that with NYCFC. Um, but again, you, you, you hit it right on the head. I think Christian Roldan gets a chance just because of how good a form he's in yeah. and how crucial he could be off a bench spot um, for us qualifying for the world cup. And it's Martinique Canada just yeah. beat them four one. I think that you can experiment a, a bit with the roster for the next game. I'd like to see DK start. Mm-hmm. I know that they're probably limiting his minutes, I think is what Burhalter said, due to him yeah. playing in so England, much. coming back here for the Nations League, and then coming back for MLS and then going to Gold Cup. So mm-hmm. I think they are limiting his minutes, but uh, I'd like to see him more. Um, and I think Buzio could, could use a start. And then you could kind of go back to this roster that started this game, minus probably Jonathan Lewis and maybe uh, minus Jackson Yule for the game against Canada. Mm-hmm. I think that is a way that you could probably make this work. And then hopefully uh, the knockout stages, you know, we're, we're kind of up and running and we know, how, you know, that's the thing is not everybody's going to get a chance to really shine in a tournament setting. So like, I don't know if I see Donovan Pines getting much of a chance. No. George Bellow, maybe. Um I feel sorry for Reggie Cannon because right now I would run out. Uh, I would run um, Shaq Moore out again mm-hmm. against Martinique and see what he can do there as well and maybe save Cannon for Canada. But then at that point, it feels harsh for Shaq Moore if he played two yeah. good games to not yeah. have him play against Canada. So, you know, it, it, it's rough. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I, I hope. Look, there's plenty of minutes to go around. I think we're at five subs. So, you know, Hoppy can come in. 60th minute against Martinique. Hopefully at that point we're up three, four, nothing. Mm-hmm. You can bring Hoppy in. You could bring in uh, somebody like uh, if Rodon didn't start, you could bring in Rodon or bring in uh, Williamson. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 
I was kind of already hesitant when I saw the lineup. I didn't really care for it in the sense of I didn't I, I wanted to see DK up top and I didn't want to see Jonathan Lewis on the left. I was, kind of, I was kind of I was kind of I was kind of expecting that though. Yeah. And and I was going I was going into this yeah. game thinking like, okay, I know I want to see DK, mm-hmm. but I'm expecting DK not to start. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I was thinking that because I feel like every time we've wanted DK to start for the USA, he doesn't start. No. So I feel like that was my thought process of, all right, well, I'm probably not going to get what I want. So I'm assuming that's what it was. So I wasn't shocked by the lineup, but mm-hmm. I was disappointed by the lineup. But I was glad to see Walker there. And I think uh, I think Walker played well. It was cool to see DK play for because that's the first time I ever seen him play in person. Because I when I when he came back, oh, he yeah, was yeah. on the road, and then I missed the game because it rained. Um, so this was my first time watching him in person, and his like <laughs> the, the defenders, the center backs that try to hold him. You know when they kick a goal kick, it's almost ninety five percent of the time he's going to get it from the center backs or the mm-hmm. middle midfielder because he what he does he gets down in like this block out and he just kind of bodies them backwards. And he just lets it drop right at his feet, and he's got really good feet. So it's, he's just like a bull in a china shop, and, and nobody can really. I mean, people try to hit him and stuff, and he'll go flying, and you're just like, man, that's a lot of person. Um, it kind of reminds me when they hit LeBron, it kind of just you just hit him and go, oh crap. Um, and he so, ends up with the Looney Tunes. Yeah, yes, <laughs> right. It's gonna be like the new Space Jam. It's gonna go soccer version, but it'll be Daryl DK starring. Oh man, that would have made so much more money. Uh, so let's let's talk just a brief bit about. Uh, you know, the game as a whole is just, there was just passages of play that, you know, wasn't super great Mm -hmm. in the sense of, look, we had 63% of possession. We created 13 shots, but when you look at uh, shots on target, only five, only one went in. Uh, It was kind of a disjointed performance. And I guess that's to be expected, but they didn't do any friendlies to warm up for this. I don't know why, mm-hmm. but they didn't. And uh, at this rate, I feel like that was our friendly. Maybe he was like, oh, we get Haiti and Martinique first. Those will be our friendlies. Yeah. <laughs> kind of work out the kinks. And then, uh, you know, when you play Canada, hopefully you're firing on all cylinders. So, and the other thing too, everything that, I, and, you know, I, I like Jackson. I don't have anything against him, but everything, that, every time that we played, even when we played, um, in the Olympic qualifying, it seems like whenever he's in the midfield, it just and Acosta too, they just don't pass well. Like Legette passes really well. Those two in the middle with Kellen Costa and with Jackson Ewell, their passing is just not crisp at all. It's just never been. And you really can see if you go back and watch highlights of the Olympics qualifying, um, you can see when Jackson Ewell has the ball. Passes are behind players, and I'm not talking like they're lo- he's losing possession, but he's they're losing momentum, they're losing that run out that they can get. He's just not putting balls in that you would really want to put in. Whereas I think Eric Williamson is the opposite. I think, and you and I have been harping on that a bunch. Where we think Eric is much more suited for that position, just because he's more attack minded. But again, I think Jackson is that that stereotypical defensive midfielder that just doesn't have the attacking abilities that he really needs. Yeah, I think. Jackson's problems stemmed from almost like he, he's rushed on the ball at times, mm-hmm. you know, like, and I think there was one time uh, that, uh, you know, sometimes what you have to look for too, is that he's not sometimes looking over his shoulder before no. uh, to see what's, you know, if, if somebody's rushing him, Right. So then mm-hmm. he gets and he turns around and he's immediately Panic. like, Oh crap. Yeah. And he panics. And, you know, that's just, that's just, his his issue and i don't think he's as comfortable in this setting uh, and i don't think he's been playing that well for san jose this year either i know he started off the season well i think but Mm -hmm. i think lately it's just been he hasn't been playing well and i think when we're we got to start opening if he starts again on thursday i don't know what greg's doing because we have to start doing a different experiment because Mm -hmm. world cup qualifying is two months away Mm mm-hmm and if Adams isn't going to be going, because let's be honest, we don't know if he'll be able to stay healthy, mm-hmm. then we need to know, is it Rodon? Is it Buzio? Is it Eric Williams? Williams yeah. Who is it? Um, Brendan Aaron's and, 
Yeah. From Harrison need, everywhere. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. We, we need to know before we get to that point. So hopefully he's seen enough to say, all right, I can't really experiment with that anymore. Because then what you want to do, you don't want to give him this game if you're not going to play him against Canada either, because you want to get whoever's going to be uh, playing in the Canada game a little bit of a run-in if you're going to be replacing Yule. Uh, the only way I think Yule plays is maybe as a sub if they do it, you know, like maybe you start Williamson there and then you take him out and put in Yule at the 70th minute or whatever to just some fresh legs. But I don't know. I guess we'll see because, you know, if he's not going to be able to pull it off against Haiti, then he's not going to be able to do it against some of the better teams that we have to face against. Right. Uh, last thing I want to just talk about here is uh, can- uh, not Canada, Mexico getting in trouble again for this chant that they do the you know uh homosexual uh chant that they do whatever you know how's mm-hmm. the way to word that the anti anti uh what is it it'd be like an it'd be a hate crime i mean not really but it it's like the why are we having a hard time with this um yeah and uh look I, I posted about this on our twitter i had a few mexican-american fans come at us about it saying it's not that serious and stuff and i mean it is right we don't want anybody to feel no it's exclusive unwelcome yeah it's and, I, and i know it sounds like it's something that's you know i, I saw an article put out as well that somebody wrote saying, well, this is to stick it to the Mexico Federation for getting rid of relegation and stuff like that. But that doesn't seem to make much sense with why you'd be bringing that up here. Uh, But whatever, right? If FIFA tells you to stop it, then there's really no excuse. Mm -hmm. You you have to stop it Mm -hmm. because if not, they're going to maybe take away they might even be able to ban you from. I was going to say ban fan. They've done it with Russia. Uh, they did it in the yeah. Champions League where they started banning any of the Ukrainian or Russian. They could teams. end up banning you yep. actually from the World Cup. Yep. Yep. So I think the team is probably bigger than the chant. Like if mm-hmm. you're a Mexico fan, I feel like you'd want your team to succeed more than you're like, I really got to say this word every time the goalkeeper is going to kick this thing. Yeah. And, uh, Hopefully they stamp it out. Uh, you know, we talked a bit about, I don't know if we did, but they moved it. You know, Mexico got a ban for this mm-hmm. from the nation's the girls team. Yeah. But they moved it to their girls team. And Tata Martino was like, well, they weren't specific, yeah. right? which is just a bullcrap yeah. uh, thing anyway. So I feel like if FIFA's going to make any action here, <laughs> if I'm FIFA, I'm putting it in, in plain writing. It's got to be the this is, a, if, yeah. this is affecting your senior men's qualifying. Yeah. Because it's not fair to the women's team, who maybe their fans don't do this, to lose fans from home games mm-hmm. because of something they didn't even do. I was going to say, uh, I could even see FIFA making one of the U.S. sites up in the north or something like that with no fans or something like that and excluding. So any home games that you know, that Mexico play, they might start taking them away. I could see that too. Yeah, but CONCACAF released a statement. They just really said they're going to – they didn't really bring we'll just any watch action. Yeah. They didn't really bring we'll any action it. on them. So we'll see. But uh, they play again tomorrow, the 14th, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they play on Wednesday and we play on Thursday. So we'll see if it does that. They had to pause it like three times this, yep. this game again. Uh, they didn't beat Trinidad and Tobago either. So both – country is kind of off to a slow start when it comes to the big powerhouses of the confederation mm-hmm. off to a off to a slow start with a one nil win for the usa and a nil nil draw for trinidad and mexico that's where we'll pretty much wrap it up here uh any other last thoughts you have or anything you're, you're looking to see on uh thursday no uh, you know just I really want to see Busio. I really want to see DK. I really want to see Eric Williamson. Those are the those are the main three. Um, and then obviously no injuries, uh, especially against Martinique. It's not a game that you really want to ever. You don't ever want to lose anybody injury, but to lose somebody in this match 
would just be devastating. Um, so hopefully everybody comes out healthy and ready to go because we got a tough stretch. It'd be nice to win two cups. That'd be awesome. It would. It would. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Stateside Show, Instagram at Stateside Show, Facebook.com slash Stateside Show, or email us statesideshow at gmail.com. Our link tree is also in the description of the YouTube video and also in the description of the podcast you're listening to in your podcast app. If you want to click that and take that way to get to those socials. And uh, we'll probably try to do maybe something, if possible, for the Thursday game uh, review before we get to that Canada match. But uh, enjoy this Gold Cup, everybody. The Euros are out of the way. The Copa America is out of the way. Just in time for the biggest tournament in the world, the Gold Cup. So (laughs) we will catch you next time. Uh, Have a great rest of your week. Tomorrow throwing his body in. It's going to fall for Ibrahimovic. Oh, come on. Come on. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. Men's National Team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.